This is probably the biggest takeaway that I got from my entire experience traveling abroad. Being in your own corner. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Wholehearted Glow podcast. I am your host, Blaze Colette. Welcome in. Welcome back. Welcome home. Uh, We are rolling through the middle of July at the time of recording this podcast. And dang, it has just been a crazy year, hasn't it? Of course, I have not posted or recorded a podcast in a few months, but I've been brewing on a lot of ideas and I'm really excited to share those with you. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you know of some offerings that we do have at the Wholehearted Glow Coaching website, which just launched yesterday. So if you head over to wholeheartedglowcoaching.com, you can take a look at the offerings for what we have that would help you with your nutrition, with your exercise, with your fitness goals, and something that I'm really excited about sharing with you is the wholehearted and glowing favorite food list. This is a list that I simply compiled of my favorite clean ingredients, my favorite fruits, my favorite vegetables, my favorite ways to get macros, my favorite ways to eat clean. And I compiled them into a very short, but thorough, concise list that you can bring to your grocery store and you can basically eat foods that are optimal, right? And the idea with nutrition is that it is very customized, but if we have a solid framework for it, and if we have a solid skeleton of the things that we know are healthy and feel good for us, then we can make educated food choices and we can see long-term change. And that's how we can lose weight over time. That's how we can lose weight and keep it off. That's how we can build a positive relationship with food. So this list really does serve as the bones for that. So feel free to just head over to wholeheartedglowcoaching.com and check out our offerings with that. And the last thing that I am very excited to share with you is that we do have another trainer on board with Wholehearted Glow Coaching. She is offering one-on-one personal training sessions. She is a strength and conditioning coach. I myself also am certified as a trainer. I do focus a little bit more on muscular endurance and cardiovascular endurance. So we really have a well-rounded team that we're building here at Wholehearted Glow. And I'm really, really excited to be sharing that with you. All of this is done virtually, which means that you can go to your own gym and have a trainer that aligns with your goals right in your headphones, right on your FaceTime or your Zoom call, and you can see the results that you're looking for. So I'm really excited to share those few items with you and let's get into the episode. All right. So I am actually recording this episode post digital nomading and I'm really excited to share it with you. However, I did spend, and the reason why I am recording this is because I did spend the first four months of 2021 backpacking and working as a digital nomad in Central and South America. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on this and reflecting on the things that I learned. And so I'm breaking this into a two-part series. The first part is going to be discussing what I learned being a digital nomad for four months in my personal life. All right. This is going to be a little bit juicier. You're going to get more of the details about what really went down in Colombia. All right. Because yes, I was posting on Instagram and I know those of you who follow on Instagram were watching all these crazy things going on. However, I will say that there was a lot more going on than just what you saw on Instagram. So 
we have that. And then the second part of the series is what I learned being a digital nomad for four months professionally. So with that, I'm speaking a little bit more on the business structuring of my company, how I was working remote, the pros and the cons of that, and really what went into everything because that is something that I find or that I found to be so glamorized over my pretty much the course of my entire professional life is that like you have to work remote and it's the be all and end all and it's the dream and blah, 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 blah. And I'm here to break down some of those myths and explain to you that it is just like anything in life. There are ups and there are downs. So let's go ahead and get into part one of this series. Okay. So the first thing I want to start with is with what I learned about being a digital nomad for four months is that you really got to learn about Maslow's hierarchy. And why am I bringing up Maslow's hierarchy? Do you know even what I am speaking of, right? And the real importance with this and understanding this is basically a simple psychological process that I found that I needed to really be an understanding of in order to successfully be a digital nomad. So let's go over it. Okay. Number one, at the base of the hierarchy, this is like I said, psychology number 101. No, I'm not a psychologist, but this played in so much into my everyday life. And I never even thought about this. Okay. Number one, The bottom part of the pyramid is your basic physiological needs. So you've got food, water, warmth, and rest. Okay, when you are traveling and backpacking, now let me tell you this, there are so many ways to travel. There are so many different styles, right? I met people that have been traveling around Colombia for over a year. I met people that have been traveling around South America for a year and then got stuck in quarantine on an island somewhere. And, you know, they were there for six months and then they started backpacking again. I met people that were hopping country to country to country as things were starting to open up. I met people that were staying in one city for over a year at a time, just doing more of an expat lifestyle type thing. But what I will tell you is that your importance or what's important to you in regards to the speed of your travel will really dictate how much you're able to cover this bottom part of the hierarchy. So food, water, warmth, and rest are at the bottom. After that, we've got security and safety. Um, After that, we have belongingness and love needs, which include intimate relationships and friends. After that, we have esteem needs, which are feelings of prestige and accomplishment, like we're doing something in the world. And then self-actualization is at the top of the hierarchy which is achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. So like I said, let's pull back to the very first part of this physiological needs, right? I found that when I was traveling at first, I started off traveling really fast. I was probably staying about a week or seven to eight days in each area. And then I would move to the next place or I would do about a week and a half, two weeks And as soon as I was like sick of the place or I got over it, I would just leave. And that was super cool and liberating because I felt like I could truly go anywhere and I could truly do anything. But on the flip side of that, my basic needs were rarely fully covered, right? Because you you have food, water, warmth, rest, security, safety. So what I found was unless you are staying at five-star hotels and you have zero budget and you can spend as much money as possible, even if you are very financially stable, right? 
it is rare that you are going to be in a place that has great food, (laughs) clean water, warmth. You might not get AC or heat. Um, You might not be able to rest because if you're staying in a hostel where you would meet other people that are doing the similar thing to you, you'll find that it can be very loud. And what I find in all of South America, having traveled to probably about five different countries in South America and about pretty much every country in Central America is that it is extremely loud. And like you could be staying in a nice hostel and there's just like a dog barking outside and people yelling all night long. So rest is challenging. So you have that and then you have security and safety. So even if you're safe. Like for example, I never got robbed my entire time I was in Colombia, and I had so many friends that got their phones stolen. They got pickpocketed. They got their laptops stolen. They got someone pulling something out of their bag when they were in the subway line. None of that ever happened to me, but what it did psychologically was that I never fully felt safe. I always had a chip on my shoulder. I was always looking back behind you just for context. I am a five, eight tall blonde um, you know, East Eastern European identifying white woman. So no matter what I did, I always stood out. No matter what I did, I always looked like a gringa. And that made it really challenging to feel safe because I had friends, guys and girls, that they could have been from the United States, but because their features looked more Colombian or they looked more in line with the Latina style or the Latino style they could kind of float by and skirt through and there wouldn't be as much attention drawn to them. Whereas myself, I always felt like eyes were on me. Everyone was watching me. I really had to watch myself when they see you in Colombia. What people tell me is that when they see, you know, foreigners, they think, Oh, this is a great opportunity to take advantage of that, right? And I'm not saying that in a way of like every Colombian is bad, but just economically, that is where a lot of their money comes from is from the influx of tourism. So you really have to watch out. People will rip you off. People will lie to you. People will tell you that you need to buy this when really you need to buy the other thing. Okay, so these are the basic parts of the hierarchy that I really want you to think about. And I wish I had known about this when I was first getting down there, because if I knew that I was going to need all of these things, like, you know, about it on a conscious level, but at a subconscious level, what I found was I was really struggling with my grounding. I really struggled with feeling in my body, touching the ground, just like feeling grounded. Um, And I was always up in my head a lot. And the reason why was because I didn't have a room that was mine. You know, I shared dorm rooms about 50% of the time. Then I got privates or Airbnbs with friends the other 50% of the time. So I didn't ever have my own private space. I found it to be very challenging to get the adequate amount of rest that I needed. I was constantly having to take melatonin and put in headphones and wear like a scarf around my ears just to block out all of the noise. Um, I found it really hard to get food because I'm a vegetarian. So even if there was a vegan cafe, I'll give you a perfect example. Like you would walk over to the vegan cafe and let's say we're digital nomading, right? And this episode is specific to people that work remote. You could have a meeting at one o'clock. And so you go to lunch at 12 thinking, okay, I'm going to go to lunch. I'm going to grab this food. I'm going to eat it. And then I'm going to leave and I'm going to go back and I'm going to be there for my meeting. One time I went to lunch at this vegetarian place and I got there 
I believe 12.07 or 12.09. I had a one o'clock meeting. I did not get my food till 12.45. And I had a meeting at one and I didn't have any Wi-Fi because I didn't bring my phone because I had been on my phone all morning and I wanted to de-screen and I ended up being late for my appointment, right? So getting access to food can be really challenging because first of all, unless you're staying in a hostel or an Airbnb that has a full kitchen, which it very well could, but a kitchen in a developing country is not a kitchen that you're probably used to in the United States, meaning you don't really have access. You get like basically a pan and a hot plate. So unless you have a really, really solid kitchen, it's going to be hard to cook. And if you don't have a solid kitchen and you do a lot of eating out, which is what I did, both mostly because of time, you're going to have time as a more limited resource. It's just going to make it more challenging to get the fuel that you need in your body. And that was really hard for me because as you know, I'm a personal trainer, I'm a nutrition coach, and I really like knowing what I'm going to eat and knowing I can eat greens and vegetables and, you know, carrots and eggplant and all the things I love to eat with my proteins, my plant-based proteins. And yeah, so that was challenging. But on the flip side of that, what I did find very helpful was I would go to health food stores and they have them all over Colombia and they do have them in a lot of South America now where it's just like vegetarian or like just these health food stores is the best way to describe it where they have nicer stuff than you'd get at the grocery store and they would have, you know, organic tofu and more organic vegetables. They would have, um, let's see, grains and they'd have nuts and seeds and things that were a little bit healthier so that if you didn't have access to a full meal, you at least had some snacks or food that you could prepare. And yeah, so definitely really think about that and also think about how important nutrition is to you. I mean, my nutrition is very, very important to me and I definitely was more disciplined at the beginning than I was at the end, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But if it's important to you, you should kind of look at where you're going to be getting your food because you also don't want to be eating like shit and feeling like shit, right? I mean, it's really important to understand that your food choices have an impact on your mental health. They have an impact on your aesthetic. They have an impact on like physically how your body feels. Like eating processed stuff all the time is not good for your energy. It's not good for your body. It's not good for your bones. So really, really think about that. And warmth was not really an issue most of the time, except one time I was staying at a hostel on the Caribbean and I was in this cabin cabana like dormitory thing and it was right by the pool because I didn't want to get a private because the privates were very very expensive so I was staying in the dorm with like 10 other people during COVID and you know you're on the middle of the beach in Columbia no one gives a fuck so (laughs) I so when we talk about warmth right there was a pool right by the cabana and the pool was like where everyone partied and drank. And as you know, I don't really drink. Maybe I drink once a month now. And when I do, I have one to two drinks. But anyways, I don't really drink. I don't party. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock rolls around. I'm ready to bail. I'm ready to go to bed. And I was hanging out with one of my friends and all of a sudden, this is like a side note into the story, but all of a sudden we were like laying on the beach freaking playing guitar, like classic travel story. And all of a sudden I started feeling really ill and I was like, I have to go. And I proceeded to get food poisoning. So I have food poisoning and I'm on the middle of the Caribbean and the party is extremely loud and the music is just raging. This was around 10. 
The music was raging until like 3 a.m. I was sick with food poisoning, having to make runs to the toilet every like 20 or 30 minutes. And it was so loud that I said, screw this. And I went to the beach and I was like literally laying underneath a palm tree in my sweatpants. Yeah. Um, all time low, all time high. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I could still hear the music. It was so loud. I was in so much pain. I was so miserable and I was by myself. Like there were people I knew like in the, in the dormitory, but it was definitely a very challenging, challenging experience because then we kind of pull into the next part of Maslow's hierarchy, which is belongingness and intimate relationships and friends, right? When you're traveling, you can get a friend for three or four or five days and you can connect super, super well and then they're gone. So sometimes you find yourself in situations, maybe health-wise, where you don't have a lot of friends around because your group of friends just left or you're just making friends or you're doing something on your own. I happen to be staying at this hostel by myself. So that was rough. So warmth can be challenging. You never know where you could end up. Like you could literally wake up one day and think like there would be days I would wake up in a hostel or a hotel and be like, yeah, I'm going to be sleeping here tonight. And then something would happen. I would meet some person. And next thing I know, I'm like chilling in a private rock climbing canyon in Colombia, And I'm just like, what is going on? Like life comes at you so, so fast. So really pay attention to the bottom part of the Maslow's hierarchy. I just can't emphasize that enough food water warmth rest security and safety and if you have those things more covered and you get good at identifying how to have those parts of your needs covered then you're gonna have more fun on your trip because you're gonna be able to enjoy other stuff as a digital nomad and you're gonna actually be productive which i'll talk about more in my other episode okay the next one i want to talk about is letting go this happened very very fast when i left miami I had all of my stuff in my car and my Honda Fit and that was everything I owned. And all I brought with me was one Osprey backpack. It was a 55 liter and it was a 40 liter uh, big pack and a 15 liter day pack. And that's the best backpacking bag. I don't care what anyone says because you can carry it as a carry on for the most part, unless you're with a really cheap airline and they might try to freaking upcharge you like 30 bucks or something like that. So you have to be careful with that, but it's the best backpack. And I had to learn to let go real quick when I started carrying that thing around. And I was like, this is basically my apartment. Why? Because you don't have space. You don't have space. I actually wrote a poem at the beginning of my travels called the, like the, (laughs) the story of the white tennis shoes. And I talked about my favorite Air Force Nike, Nike Air Force ones that by the way, I got secondhand because I will not buy those firsthand because sweatshops with Nike are known to be really, really bad. However, so question your Nike purchases, but don't censor me. Don't censor me, Nike. Anyways, I wrote this poem about how I was so sad to let go of the Nikes. I was so sad to leave them in my car. I was like, these are an integral piece of my swag and like feeling confident and blah, 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 blah. Because all I have is this Osprey. It's 55 liters. So the only shoes that I brought were a pair of rock climbing shoes, a pair of running shoes, a pair of trail running shoes, and Tevas. So that's four pairs. I ended up leaving a pair of running just road shoes and I kept the trail shoes 
Or maybe I only brought the road shoes. Oh my, that would be wild. Honestly, I can't totally remember. Yeah, I think I only had three pairs. So my point being, you just, and I was so like distraught about not having these white shoes. And then while I was there, yes, I did have times where I was sad that my swag was somewhat subpar, but I didn't really even think about it because I was just like, you know what? This is just me. This is who I am. I don't have beautiful shoes right now and I just have to accept it. So for me, that letting go, like it really felt so cathartic to cut so many cords of materialism and objects that I really thought that I needed when in reality, I didn't need them at all. Like I got by just fine with the stuff that I had in the backpack. So I really encourage you to be very mindful of what you're bringing and why you're bringing it. And you don't really need that much stuff. And then what you'll find is you're going to be like, Oh, well, blaze, fuck you. And you're going to get like the 75 milliliter backpack and then you're going to bring it around and then you're going to be so tired of carrying around all this random shit and random clothing that you never wear that you're going to start giving it away. Because even myself with a 55 liter pack, I was still giving away clothes. I probably gave away like three pairs of leggings, two or three sports bras. Maybe I believe I left a pair of shoes. Things get dramatic very, very quick when you realize you are living out of a backpack. Another thing that goes with this is the emotional letting go. So as you know, and as I've been really open about with you, I had struggled with depression for almost two years and I never medicated for it, but I always was definitely mentally internally struggling. I went to therapy. I got to the root of what was going on. And if I'm being honest, like I was really afraid to go on this trip because I was still dealing with my depression and I almost didn't go, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going, I'm doing it. I'll be fine. And, you know, some could argue that that was a good decision. Some could argue it wasn't, but anyway, I went and it was crazy how much it improved my mental health because it allowed me to get into the experiences and into, into the living of my life, as opposed to sitting back and watching the lens of my life from afar and feeling disassociated from it. So I know when I was struggling with my depression, I always felt really disassociated and I felt like I was kind of watching my life, but I wasn't participating in it. And I, it was, I don't know, it's really hard to describe, but other people have spoken with me about it. So I know that it's a thing, but when you're traveling, you're so drawn into your everyday because it's like, everything just becomes so crucial and important and valid and you're so present and like you could have the best day ever. And so it really helps me let go so much emotionally to things that I felt like I had to control. Like I am a recovering control freak and I still, you know, I have that element of myself that peeps up from time to time, but it really helps me just let go of old emotional patterns because I was in new environments. So I can't recommend enough to you if you're listening to this and you're like, I need a change, change your environment and just watch your world change because we keep ourselves in the same environments that we're safe and that we feel good and that we feel comfortable. And that's great because we have our friends and maybe we have our family around and you know, maybe we have our lover around, but when we stay in that same environment, oftentimes we stay the same. So it's harder to build out a bigger scope and a bigger perspective on life 
because we're not really challenging ourselves and getting out of our comfort zones. So for me, when I expanded my environment out of my burnout world and my workaholic world in Miami, and I moved to Columbia, I felt this way or this kind of difference in pace of life that assisted me in shifting my environment and finding things that were more important than just feeling depressed a lot and feeling overworked and feeling overwhelmed. And that's another one. If you're struggling with mental health, you are probably very overwhelmed with something else that's happening in your life. I found myself to be in a constant state of overwhelm for like probably 16 months and that was due to overworking then I also had a traumatic event that happened with Sarah's death which I've talked about but I will say changing your environment makes a huge huge difference for letting go right it's like you're you're materially letting go because you can't really bring that much stuff with you you got to bring a good fucking personality how about that but you also can emotionally let go. And I think that that's a really important message. And I hope that when you go on your digital nomading experience, you can let go too. And you can realize that you're so much stronger and more capable than you ever thought. So there's that. The next thing that I want to talk about is accepting that minimalism. So within the letting go is that material minimalism minimalism where it's just you have to understand that you really don't get to bring that much stuff with you and you got to be okay with that you got to be okay with wearing the same stuff you have to be okay with going out in the same two or three outfits for me it was I have one going out outfit that was cute and the rest was mostly athletic clothes and like athleisure and just not having access to like your favorite big bottle of shampoo and your your favorite barbecue sauce or whatever it may be and you just keep it as minimal as possible and you're going to have less stress so be very very mindful of the stuff that you're bringing what I did is I went on YouTube and I looked up minimalist backpacker and then I purchased a few different things that were so so integral to just feeling like I had the right stuff and if you do that and it's not satisfying then just ask someone who's backpacked you can ask me for my list I can send it to you easy peasy Okay, Um, the next one I want to talk about is a huge, huge, huge lesson that I learned. And this is the importance of being in your own corner. Okay, what do I mean by this? This is probably the biggest takeaway that I got from my entire experience traveling abroad. You have to stand up for yourself. And we're talking about if you are digital nomading by yourself, or even if you're with a friend, but for me, I traveled alone and it was very intense. I like traveling alone though. It excites me, but anyways, you got to be in your own corner. Like picture, (laughs) this is the best way to put it. Picture yourself in a boxing ring and on one side of the ring is you. And let's call this like, I don't like duality too, too much, but let's call this your higher self. And let's call this the optimal version of yourself, your infinite potential self, the person that you know you can be, the strongest version of yourself, the most loving, the most kind, okay? So that's one corner of the boxing ring. And then in the other corner of the boxing ring, you have your ego, right? And this was another part of getting over my depression was getting rid of my ego and just like really letting go. But in that corner, you've got your arch fucking nemesis. And guess what? That's you. 
if you choose, right? So with that, you've got yourself saying you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't know what you're doing, why are you in this random place alone? Like, who do you think you are? Don't stick up for yourself, don't stand up for yourself, don't fight for yourself. What you're saying isn't valid, you're wrong, you're not okay there's something wrong with you, right? Like all of those negative thoughts. And when you are traveling, I just can't emphasize enough how much you have to be in your own corner. You cannot, number one, rely on other people to keep you happy, keep you grounded, keep you away from your anxiety. Okay, like you can't. And number two, you have to stick up for yourself and you have to fight for yourself because you will find yourself, depending on how adventurous you are, I tend to be unfortunately and fortunately very adventurous. I found myself in a lot of situations where I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Or things would happen. I had something dramatic happen and I had to tell myself so many times after that experience that it wasn't your fault you're okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And you learn to hold yourself. Like I think for so long, especially in my early twenties, when I was in a relationship, I didn't really know how to hold any space for myself. I could hold it for other people, you know, teaching Pilates, teaching yoga, teaching cycling classes, teaching boot camps. I could, you know, hold the space for my clients and facilitate for them, but I couldn't hold it for myself because I was too afraid to, because I was like, I don't know if I can really hold all these things that I'm dealing with. And when you're traveling and you're by yourself and things happen, or you hear about bad news back home, or something happens with a friend there, or you get into an argument, or someone doesn't see eye to eye with you, just normal life stuff, like you will notice that you have to stick up for yourself. And you have to hold yourself and be like, you know what? It's okay. Like you didn't do anything wrong, whatever it may be, right? And that's where we get that metaphor of being in the boxing corner. It's like, who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to love yourself? And are you going to choose to advocate for yourself. That's a big one. You have to be your own advocate. You have to watch out for yourself. Or are you just kind of going to go with what everyone else is doing? Maybe do something you shouldn't do, not follow your gut, not trust your intuition. You have to decide. So really, really, really think about how can you provide a space for yourself because you're going to have rough days and you're going to have awesome days. But you have to understand how important it is to hold that space for yourself. Um, Now, on the flip side of that, the next thing I want to talk about is the kindness of random strangers. I thought I understood this, but I don't think I had any real capacity for understanding it until I went traveling alone for a long time. So A great example of this is that one day I was chilling on the Caribbean, yet again, another Caribbean story, and um, I decided I was going to run from this beach hostel that was up on this hill, like probably 600 feet up into the jungle, down to the beach, and then I was going to swim along the beach, and I was going to come back, and then I was going to run back to the hostel. Okay, great freaking idea, Blaze. By myself. Duh. So... I get down there, I'm running to the beach. I'm like, I don't really know where I am. Like if I could tell you how wild this coast is, I mean, there was not a resort in sight, not a sign in sight, just very small, tiny little towns, 
no commercialism, just unreal how wild and rustic it was. So I didn't really have a lot of landmarks. So basically I ran down and I was like, I'm going to go swimming. I go swimming. It's super rough, like very tumultuous waters. I had put my stuff down before I went swimming. So I had put down, I think my pair of Tevas, I want to say a white t-shirt and I didn't bring my phone cause I knew that that would be a bad idea. But, uh, and then like a towel, I think I brought my travel towel and my Tevas, like I told you at the beginning, I only had three pairs of shoes. So the Tevas were very crucial because they were my going out shoes. <laughs> so those were my heels. But anyways, so I knew that I couldn't lose my Tevas. So I go for a swim and then fast forward 20 minutes, I'm lost because all the coastline looks the same because there's no landmarks because it's not developed. There's just palm trees everywhere and ocean. And it's like a Sunday morning during basically COVID. So there's no one on the beach. And I was like, where am I? Because I had drifted so far. I didn't really know if I was drifting south or drifting north. I'm pretty sure I was drifting south, but I wasn't thinking about where my stuff would be in relation to that. And I was swimming distance away from where my stuff was. So anyways, I (laughs) get out of the water and I just have no idea where my shit is. And I was frustrated because I knew that I needed to have it. It's like, this is my one pair of shoes. And I was like, well, I can always buy sandals. Like, it'll be fine. But anyway, so I see this couple walking along the beach, this older Colombian couple, and they were so sweet. And I was, like, talking to them. I was like, hola, como andas? Basicamente lo que pasó es que me perdí mis chancletas. So I was basically telling them that I lost my sandals. And they were like, oh, my God. They walked on the beach with me for, like, 30 minutes just helping me get back to my sandals and basically making sure that I found my stuff and that I knew how to get back to my hostel. And it's just such a humbling experience to really have to rely. Like, obviously you have to be in your own corner. You've got to trust yourself and you have to be on your own side, but sometimes you're going to get in a pinch and you're just going to need help. You're just going to need help. Like another example would be when I had food poisoning, there was a woman staying in my dormitory who was older. She was probably like in her sixties and she was like the mom of the dorm. And I was really sick and she was just like comforting me, bringing me tea, bringing me water, bringing me medicine, whatever the fuck that was. And, um, it was really, really, really just like I said, humbling and, you really want to think about like all of the people around you suddenly start to matter so much. I think for so long, like with my burnout and my like tunnel vision that I struggle with where I don't see anything, but my goals is I kind of just blow would blow people to the side that weren't going to help me reach my goals. And that's not really a great way to live life. So I challenge you, whether you're going out on a digital nomading adventure or even just going out tomorrow to just be nicer to the people around you and Yeah, because you never know. You could really be in a pinch. And you might not be in a pinch now, but something could happen and you're going to need someone's help. And I'll get into that with my last one. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is the glamorized idea that you're going to fall in love when you go traveling. Because guess what? I actually thought 
that I was going to fall in love when I went traveling. And you know what? I'm not here to crush your dreams, but I will tell you, I'm also a realist, even though I'm a romantic and who it's probably not going to happen. Question mark. (laughs) Maybe it will. Um, you know, a little bit about me. I don't talk about my personal life too much, but I'm kind of an all or nothing person with everything I do. Right. So it's like either I'm madly in love with you or I just not into you at all. And it's hard for me to have the in-between because if I know something's not going to work out or I know that that person's not it for me, I'll just get rid of them. So I had this idea in my head because Instagram basically ruined my life. And I just had this idea in my head that I was going to go abroad and I was going to meet some guy and we were going to fall in love and then we're going to travel the world together. Okay. That's not really how it works. And like I said, if that happens to you or that has happened to you props, but like, let me just lay out the dating scenario for you so you can just think about that and what are the odds that it could actually work. So you get to the hostel, (laughs) you've got, you know, your travelers that are living at the hostel. And then you've got ones that are on vacation. So already you've got very transient people in one location doing transient things like going out to parties, traveling on the weekends, flying to random countries, just anything you could imagine. So there's that, right? And then on the other side of that, you've got this idea that like travelers are very hookup oriented. So they basically only just want to fuck and that's fine if that's what you want. But like, if you're trying to fall in love and look for your husband or look for your wife, you might struggle because when you realize that most of the people you meet, you're going to know for three or four days, number one, that is like 80% of the people I met traveling. I knew for three or four days and never saw them again. Um, and I was staying at digital nomading hostels, co-working hostels where people were doing more long-term stuff just because everyone's on the move. So number one, everyone is traveling around. So you don't get to know people very long. And then number two, everyone basically just wants to fuck. And number three, hostels are basically breeding grounds for sex. So <laughs> you get to the hostel and if you have a private room, like you can have people in your room if you want, but it's basically like this tribe. It's hard to describe. Like once you're in the hostel and you're in the vibe and you're in the energy of the hostel, it's like, okay, like who likes who, who has a thing with who, who's fucking who. And it's very interesting. Now, what I recommend is Keep your personal business outside of the hostel, all right? And then that's where we get into the dating app. So then you've got your Bumbles, you've got your Tinders, you've got your Hinges. And on those, you're also going to experience the same thing, right? Like you can meet up with someone and number one, they could be dumb as a rock or they could be extremely boring or they could basically make you want to like pull your own eyes out because you're sitting there and you're like, who am I even talking to? I'm so fucking bored. But number two, they're also traveling. So the likelihood that you're going to get like a real connection with them is super unlikely. And when you think about it, it's just a random matchup. So keep your biz outside of the hostel, but at the same time, know that if you're going on the apps or even if you're meeting people like on the street, 
they're most likely traveling too. So just be mindful of that and don't go in with the expectation. I think my biggest letdown in life and my biggest struggle that I'm working through right now, and you know, I'm just being raw, honest, and vulnerable on this this podcast right now is that I do carry a lot of expectations because I hold high expectations for myself. So then I find that I hold high expectations for other people and then they just let me down because I have these expectations. So if you just don't have any expectations and you go in with more of an open mind, open heart, then you're going to, I feel, do better. And what I will say is go on your trip for you. Like I kind of went on the trip seeking and then I realized that I was more the seeker myself and I needed to seek more from within myself and I needed to fall in love with myself holy shit, easier said than done. So go out and be open and have your heart open, but know that it's hard. Dating is really hard when you're a digital nomad and a real connection is pretty rare. So definitely something to think about. Um, the next one I want to talk about is the importance of living your life and not just pretending to live it. So when I was living in Miami, a lot of times I felt like because my life was so work oriented, I was still doing fun stuff. I didn't have a great social life, but that was on purpose because I was saving money and just being a workaholic as I have discussed. But you gotta, you know, this could be travel or this could be your normal life. You, you have to be open to new experience And you have to be open to trying new things and you have to be open to going places where you don't know anyone. It's a random, completely new place. You're going to meet people that you're going to vibe with and people you're not going to vibe with, but you got to live your life and not just be on the sidelines of your life. So have you ever had those days where you're on Instagram and you're like scrolling or you're on the search page and you're like watching people doing epic shit and you're like, why am I not doing this? And then you're, you're kind of living vicariously through them. Um, this is not always the most productive way to live life because you're lacking experience. And I found that I, you know, I always want new experiences and I find that I do make a time and an effort to have those new experiences. But when I get caught in my grind and my daily routine, it's harder for me. So I will say it is so, so, so important to just get out there and be open. I used to be so structured and so solid in everything that if it didn't fit in my schedule, I wasn't going to do it. And I learned when I was traveling that you just got to get out there and live life and see where the day takes you, see where the night takes you. It could take you to a place that you never even imagined. And that's the super, super cool part. That's the biggest thing that I think comes from living your life in a very wild and free way, if that feels good for you, is because all of the things that I thought were going to happen or the things I thought I was going to learn or the lessons I thought God and the universe had to teach me, those weren't the lessons that I learned. The people I thought I was going to meet were not the people I met. The experiences that I had were not experiences that I had pre-created in my brain. Everything that happened that was magical and wild were things that I could have just never even pictured. Life can be so big and bold and beautiful if we let go of the need to control everything and we decide that we want to live for the experience of enjoying and attempting to understand life. That's important. 
That's where magic fucking happens. It's not on your Instagram. It's not on your Tinder. It's not on a Facebook or a Reddit. It's just getting out and being in life and seeing what happens. And taking that mentality from travel really allowed me to jump back into a more routine life now that I'm in Colorado in a way where I'm just having more fun and I'm enjoying life more. Today I was at the grocery store and this super cute guy, Sam, shout out where you at. He was basically just like staring at my rainbow sliders and they're like rainbowy with like Roy G. Biv basically, but then covered in glitter and then also dirt because I go rock climbing in my sliders a lot. And he's like, Hey, I love your sliders. And normally I would have just been like, huh, thanks. But I was really nice. You know, we chatted and then I got his name and I think he lives in a, like a literal truck, like a U-Haul type vibe. I don't really know. But anyways, My point being, when you surrender the need to control and plan and like be all on your screens and you just get out and you live life, you see that there's just so much to be happening and so much to be lived that you could actually suck so much more juice out of every single day. (sighs) How are we feeling? I know I'm just word vomiting at you. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is that patience is a virtue. And when you're digital nomading, you've got to make sure that you understand that things are not going to move at the pace that you think they are. You might, like I said, you might be ready for lunch at 12, but you might not be getting lunch until one. You might order a coffee and it could come completely wrong because customer service kind of sucks in most countries. And then you have to wait and then you're going to miss your meeting because you're a digital nomad or you're going to be late or like the internet could not be working and you're going to be late to something like patience is a virtue when it comes to be trapped when it comes to traveling. So just really think about that and orient your schedule as such. So like if you normally have a meeting and I'll talk about this more in part two, but if you have a meeting at nine, you might want to, and you can control when you're going to have that meeting. You might want to push it to nine 15 because your morning routine could take you way, way longer than you thought. Like for me, I found that I couldn't get coffee or find coffee that was decent and not just instant crap coffee before 8am. And so I work at 5am every day. So I'd have to go three hours without coffee. And it was Oh, so brutal. And so, yeah, I basically was like, okay, um, fuck this. So then what I did was I had to research all of the coffee shops that opened before 8am. And then I had to plan my meetings that I had 20 minutes to get my coffee, which in the U S you'd be like, I don't need 20 minutes to get a coffee, but trust me in South America and Central America. Yes. Yes, you definitely do. You probably need more time because they move at a snail's pace. And they move at a snail's pace, but honestly, a lot of times they're happier. Yeah, they make way less money. Colombia is like one of the poorest countries in Latin America. The dollar is extremely strong. I definitely felt like a millionaire there, but they're happier. They're less stressed. They don't have wrinkles. Um, So there are benefits to that. So instead of doing what I did, which is feel frustrated all the time because things were taking forever. My kind of joke when I was there is that everything takes four hours. Like no matter what you want to do, it's a huge endeavor and it takes forever and there's very little resources to make it happen. But anyways, instead of getting mad about that, just, uh, enjoy it. (laughs) Just enjoy it. 
Um, and eventually you'll adapt. And then when you get back to the United States, you'll be like, oh my God, everything's so convenient. I can get a coffee. I can go to Whole Foods. I can go to the farmer's market. I'm not getting food poisoning, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Uh, so we have three more. The next one I'm going to talk about is to keep your friends really close. Your friends are really going to be your emotional and mental support other than yourself while you're traveling. And my suggestion, if you vibe with someone, someone, keep them close to you. But if you don't, don't waste your time. Like you can meet someone and they could be super cool and you end up spending a few days or a few weeks with them. And that's awesome. Keep them close to you, build that bond because they're going to be your support system. But if you don't vibe with someone, don't feel like you have to hang out with them just because other people are or whatever it may be. So that is a huge one for sure. And for me, what I found with my friends is like, if I was having a rough day or I was homesick or I missed, you know, my family, I would just talk to one of my friends. And I think it's easy with the way that our world is now where we just, you know, we hop on a FaceTime or we call someone from home and that's good. And I definitely recommend you do that, but your people that are there with you are going to be able to understand what you're going through so much more than people online or back home. So just feel free to like reach out to them. If you need to, I was having a day where I had just gotten all these really bad bug bites and I was had a fever and I was basically crying in my room and I called my mom and my mom was like, why don't you go see one of your friends? And I was like, okay. So I went up two floors to this woman's room who was one of my friends and we ended up being super close, even though we were polar opposites. It was hilarious. But anyways, and we just talked and chatted. I told her what I was basically going through and she really helped me work through it. So keep those people so close to you. And then, you know, if you are in a pinch or something does happen, you're going to have more of a community. So put that emphasis on meeting people in person, getting off your FaceTimes, getting off your calls and your phone and just being around people in person. Cause you just never know who's going to be around you, which brings me to my second to last point. And my second to last lesson is don't trust people who are trusted by the people you trust. Okay. So an example of this would be if you have a friend that you travel with or that you meet and you like them and you vibe with them, you trust them, right? Cause you're like, they're not going to hurt me. We're cool. We're tight. We go to dinner. It's a vibe. Okay. But they could have friends And their threshold or their standards or what they find acceptable could be completely different than yours. So then they say to you, oh, I love such and such and such and such. They're great people. And you're like, okay, cool. So for me, I'm a pretty trusting person, even though I do have my own trust issues. But like in general, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. So what would happen was I would meet a friend that I vibed with and trusted. And then I'd meet their friends. She would say they were great, he or she. And then those people would suck. And like, I I did not vibe with them. They kind of would be like gross me out or be weird or just whatever it may be. Right. Cause we all have our own standards and everyone has different cultures and you know, who you think is cool and that you enjoy spending time with might not be who I think is cool. So trust your 
gut a lot and be careful with the people you meet that other people say, oh, they're a great person, whatever, whatever, because the reality is your personal experience with each person is going to be different than someone else's personal experience with them. And you got to listen to that. So be so, so mindful. Like someone could say that's a good person, but if you don't believe it and you don't think it to be true, most likely you should listen to your gut and you should not hang out with that person or hang out with your girl or your guy that you trust, but don't hang out with the friends. Uh, if they give you bad vibes, or if you think they're weird, even if you can't put a finger on it, a lot of times that would happen to me where I'd be like, there's nothing that they're going to exactly hurt me, but I feel like I shouldn't be around this person because their energy just feels really off to me. I would just leave. And the times that I didn't, I definitely regretted. (laughs) Um, Okay, the last one I'm going to say is so, so important. And I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know this is a long one, but these are all things that I learned and I just wish I knew. So I hope that this helps you. Keep an eye on your health. I am an extremely healthy person. You know that I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't even do drugs. I am a vegetarian. I'm pretty healthy. I work out seven days a week, but I definitely had times where I pushed it too hard because as a trainer and an athlete, I love to push my body. I love to push my mind. I love to push my limits. And you really got to watch yourself. You got to watch what you're eating you got to watch how much you're sleeping. You got to watch how much you're resting because the reality is if you don't keep an eye on that, something's going to go out of whack and it'll be too late if you don't watch it. So a lot of times what I would do is I would journal like, okay, Monday I went for a swim. I ate at this place. I ate at this place. I drank one cup of coffee and I drank, you know, 60 liters of water and this is the workout that I did or whatever. And it doesn't have to be super detailed, but just keep an eye on it and track it for a week or two if you're feeling off, because a lot of times what's happening is you're just burning a candle out way too far. And when you're working in digital nomading, you're like trying to vacation and fuck off basically at the exact same time, which is actually really challenging, by the way. (laughs) You're like, I want to go mountain biking off the face of a cliff, but I have this zoom meeting at 10 AM. Do you know what I mean? So basically you're trying to fuck off and make money or you're trying to just like chill with your homies and do the least and also be productive and run your business or work for your company. And so it's easier to spin your wheels out because it's your, your life is more stimulating than normal life. So you have less of a routine and just crazy stuff is happening all the time. And you're just having so many experiences all packed into one day. So it's easier to overdo it. And I just wish I could have told myself, Blaze, you're so prone to overdoing things. Relax. But I was like, no, I'm going to go ham. So obviously I went too hard. And guess what was the nail in the coffin at the end of the trip? Um, I was in Mexico and I went to the gym basically. Okay. I'm just going to tell the whole story. My heat stroke story. So I meet this girl. She's like, I hear you're a trainer. I was like, yes, we're in Mexico. It is balls hot. It is probably over 90 degrees and the UV index, which is the strength of the sun, was over 12 for about six to seven hours of the day. To give you a context for that, if you don't know what I'm speaking on, 12 UV is very, very high. 
in Colorado, for example, the highest the UV gets in the middle of the summer is like nine or eight in the middle of the day at the hottest time of day. If you were in Maine or you were in like Boston or New York, the highest it would probably get would be like six or seven. So it was like 12. I'm in Oaxaca, Mexico, basically on the coast, but still very dry, very California. And I meet this girl, Georgie. She's like, I hear you're a trainer. Let's go work out. I'm like, cool. So we try to go to the gym. Now, does the gym have AC? No, because it's fucking Mexico. So we decide we're going to walk and we have to walk to the gym. Um, Oh wait, why did we decide to walk? We decided to walk because, oh, Latin America, there was a government blockade happening in the middle of the street in this tiny town that I was in. And the only way to get to the gym was to take this road. And the road was blocked off by a bunch of farmers protesting about their land. So we're like, okay, we'll just walk. And I'm like, you know what? It's so hot. I really struggle with heat and being out in the direct sun is like actually really, really bad for me mentally and physically. But, you know, I didn't listen to my body. I didn't keep an eye on my health. And I was like, cool, we'll just walk. It'll be fine. And we were walking. It was so hot. I'm like already getting burnt. I mean, this is 20 minutes, but like so hot, so, so hot. The sun is just beating down. I'm turning bright red. We're having to stop and get water. This is insane. We get to the gym and I'm like, yeah, being the meathead that I am, just loving the gym. I get into the gym. I start fucking throwing around weights. Not really, but just doing my kettlebells, doing my routine. And I'm not drinking water because normally when I work out, I don't drink water because it makes my stomach hurt. So doing weights, we live for like probably 50 minutes. And my friend Georgie's like dying because she doesn't work out. So she's like doing burpees and like five push-ups, And I'm like, you go girl. She was crushing it, but she was deconditioned. So she was getting basically more exhausted quicker. Whereas for me, I was like feeling good, but not hydrating. And there was no AC. So yeah. So all of a sudden I start, I tell Georgie, my friend, I'm like, dude, I can't cool off. And she's like, what do you mean? She was like, I was like, no, like I am overheating right now. It is so hot. She's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I I don't know, but I don't feel good. And all of a sudden, like when I started to decline mentally and physically, like it happened fast. And she was like, go to the shower, go to the shower. So we go to the shower and it's so hot in this fucking gym that the pipes had warmed and the water was warm. So I basically poured hot water all over my body and I got even more hot. Oh my God, just even thinking about this, it was so traumatic. So like, I'm just giving you this as a cautionary tale. So I was like, Georgie, we got to get out of here. We got to get into AC. I need medical attention. Remember the blockade though. Remember that. Cause that's coming up the government blockade, which blocked the road. Okay. So we go down to this gas station. That's like probably not even a block away. It was super, super close. Thank God. And we go into the store and I was like, freaking out. Like I was starting to go into anaphylactic shock. My heart was racing. It was coming out of my chest. I was not feeling good. I was like, I'm overheating. I need help. I need medical attention. And so we asked the people at the front if we can have, um, ice and they lied. And this is why I say like, be in your own corner because when you're traveling, even if you speak the language, which I do, like people will just lie to you because of convenience or they just don't want to offend. Like I asked them, do you have ice? And they were like, no, we don't have any ice. And meanwhile, there was a huge, huge, huge thing of ice. And so I was like, Georgie, get me some fucking ice right now. I was like sitting there, basically was freaking the fuck out, inhaling as much water and electrolytes as I could. 
she comes over and I had to lay on the floor of a gas station and get wiped down with ice cubes. These people that worked there didn't give me any towels, didn't give me any blankets. They didn't even want to get near me because of fucking COVID. And I was like, okay, like, fine. I don't have COVID. I'm having a heat stroke. I asked for medical attention. And because of the blockade, they told me they couldn't get me to a medic. Oh God, it was so traumatic. Like I was laying on the ground just overheating. And then finally I started cooling off because my friend was drenching me in ice cubes. And then I started shivering. It was so intense. Like it was probably one of the biggest health scares I've ever had in my entire life. And I don't wish a heat stroke on anyone. You got to fucking watch yourself. Now, some people don't get affected by the sun that much, but overheating and sunstroke comes through through your eyes. So just make sure that you wear like polarized glasses if you're in any type of hot place and drink like basically double the amount of water. Like I would drink, I normally have probably at least a gallon of water a day there. You need a gallon and a half to two gallons minimum. So yeah. So I basically went into anaphylactic shock. I had a heat stroke in a gas station. It didn't get so bad that I was like dying, but if I, if things got worse and I didn't cool off, I I could have died because there was no medics there and no one was willing to help me except for my friend Georgie and a few random expats that walked in. So, and then there was this really sweet uh, Mexican guy who also was there and he got me back to a hostel or a hotel that had air conditioning. And yeah, so I would say just keep an eye on your health, get health insurance, but it doesn't really matter because if you're in any type of country where health insurance is relatively cheap, like in South America, you just pay out of pocket and it's like $30. So really, really, really can't emphasize that enough. Keep an eye on your health, (laughs) take care of yourself. So anyways, and I will say, you know, it was worth it, but it wasn't being a nomad and working is not as glamorized as I think people think it is. And I'll talk more about the professional side of that, but you will learn so many lessons and so many things about yourself. And that just makes the journey all worth it. And you realize that it's not about the destination. It's not about going to this certain place. It's about being on the ride and settling in for the ride and seeing who you meet along the way and what experiences you're going to have. So I really hope that you take that with you on your travels. So thank you so much for joining me on the Wholehearted Glow podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I will most definitely talk to you soon. If you would like to connect on Instagram, I'm at Wholehearted Glow Coaching. I also have a private account that you can follow, which is Blazing a Trail, slightly more personal. I know we got personal today. And if you have questions on your health, on your fitness, maybe you want to feel better, maybe you want to look better, maybe both, let me know. And we can definitely make that happen. Feel free to connect with me through my Instagram or through scheduling on Wholehearted Glow Coaching. All right, I will talk to you soon and stay tuned for part two of this series where I speak about the lessons I learned while digital nomading professionally. All right, I'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Wholehearted Globe podcast today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you liked what you heard, feel free to write a review. I would love, 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 love to hear from you. And if you would like to connect on Instagram, I am at wholehearted underscore glow. Lots of daily shenanigans going on there, but also like real life stuff, coaching stuff, fitness stuff. So anything you need, that is the place to contact me directly. And I will speak with you soon. Bye.